Welcome to Elisa's SciComm Corner, a curated science communication research podcast where I take you on an in-depth dive into the research supporting accurate and effective science communication. Some historians speculate that April Fool's Day dates back to the year 1852, shortly after France switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. According to History.com, people who continued to celebrate the New Year during the spring equinox, rather than switching to January 1st, as the new calendar dictated, became the butt of jokes and pranks and were called April Fools. Over the centuries, humanity has taken pleasure in different forms of humor, be it jokes, pranks, or finding mirth in other people's misfortune. Humor has been a way for people to connect, to share stories, and to relate to one another more effectively. Which then begs the question, do humor and science communication mix? Or are they like oil and water, destined to forever remain in their own realms? Today's episode takes a look at how humor, science communication, and misinformation interact. Our first paper, published in SAGE, focuses on an experiment conducted by researchers from the University of Utah the University of Illinois, the University of Georgia, and Utah Valley University. Sarah K. Yeo and colleagues noted that although humor is a recommended strategy for scientists to connect with audiences, there's a lack of empirical evidence surrounding how effective it actually is. Their experiment, Predicting Intentions to Engage with Scientific Messages on Twitter, the roles of mirth and need for humor, tested how funny science on Twitter affected engagement intentions. It turned out that an individual trait, a person's need for humor, moderated the relationship between the level of mirth a participant experienced from viewing a funny post and their engagement intentions. The authors noted, however, that their experiment only focused on two types of humor wordplay, and anthropomorphism, but not sarcasm, which is in fact a more prevalent form of humor online and can have very different effects on people's attitudes. Our second research paper, Emotion and Humor as Misinformation Antidotes, is an essay by the same author and is published in PNAS. Because anti-science claims often appeal to an audience's emotions, Yale argues that having a better understanding of the role emotions play in science communication can improve how we communicate science as well as how we address misinformation. Humor in science is important for several reasons. The National Academies, in a recent report, emphasized the importance of examining SCICOM theories in real-world settings. Humor is prevalent in SCICOM, online, and is frequently used to communicate about issues that are emotionally charged, like making memes about mask wearing during the pandemic. Not only that, humor can serve as a means of drawing attention to issues that audiences might otherwise overlook. It impacts how we process information, how we form attitudes, and our behavioral intentions. Because trust and likability play a strong role in the perceived credibility of a source, source likability and credibility 
have potentially impactful roles as preventative and corrective measures against misinformation. Research has consistently shown that more likable communicators are more likely to influence audiences' views through explicitly expressed intentions to persuade. Yale et al. found that laughter increased audiences' perceptions of likability and expertise of the scientist. So, scientists who use humor to engage audiences appear to be more likable, and most importantly, their credibility as a scientist is not undermined. Communication strategies are not inherently good or bad. It's how we deploy these strategies that matters. Of course, how practitioners incorporate communication practices from research into their practice depends on many different factors, including their goals and intentions. If we're to combat misinformation and enhance the public's engagement with and understanding of science, we must be willing to tackle the complexities and nuances that underlie the many communication strategies that already exist. And we need to make ethically grounded decisions about which strategies to implement, depending on the context surrounding the scientific issue at hand. It's not easy, but hey, which one of us got into science because we thought it would be easy? What are your thoughts on the use of humor in SciComm? Have you had positive or negative experiences with it? Do you believe science communicators should add it to their arsenal of strategies to connect with an audience? Let us know in the comments. I'd like to give a special thank you to the Ellen Alda Center for Communicating Science and to the Kavli Foundation for their support in connecting science communication research with practice. More SciComm Research to Action work can be found at aldacenter.org slash the link. This has been your host, Elise. And if you're interested in finding your unique SciComm voice and learning how to create aesthetic and relevant science content online so you can promote your work and connect with new audiences, come find me on Instagram at the Neuroaesthetic or at theneuroaesthetic.com. See you next time.